Bloody Elbow presents the sixth round post-fight show, which gives you an event rundown and full analysis of the bouts that took place on the current weekend's UFC event, complete with hot takes, possible next fights, and reactions to the overall card. Paid Bloody Elbow podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your Bloody Elbow fight analysts. Hey everybody, welcome back to the 6th Round Post-Fight Show with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Eddie Mercado. We're coming to y'all straight from the end of this week's UFC card going down at the Apex facility in Las Vegas, Nevada, where Bobby Green absolutely dusted Grant Dawson. The result, I don't. you didn't pick Green, right? No, no. I don't think anybody on our staff picked Green. Rightfully so, right? Rightfully so. Yeah, I mean, nobody saw this coming. The thing with Bobby Green is, like, even if you thought that he might be able to beat, uh, let me see, I'm just double checking here. Don't say Tony Ferguson. (laughs) No, no, no. Um, Even if you thought that Green, yeah, no, none of us picked Green. We were. This is bloody elbow curse in full effect. even if he thought Green might have been able to beat Dawson, it's not like it was ever going to be a thing where, you know, it would it would be Green by knockout. You know, he knocked out a I don't a, know. A, a washed late career ally Quinta a few years ago in 2021, and his last knockout before that was a body kick via against James Krause in 2013 that I believe was arguably a groin strike, <laughs> right. if I'm remembering correctly. Sure. And his last punch knockout before that was Ricky Legiri in 2010 at King of the Cage Arrival. Bobby Green, he's a good, fun fighter. He has... Great, you know, he has some slick boxing skill. He is nobody's idea of a knockout artist. That's just 100%. Um, But even in the, uh, so for the results post on Bloody Elbow for this, I mean, I even put in a little preview that Dawson needs to get this fight to the ground as soon as possible. Yeah. Not for a second did I think he could stand with Bobby Green. No. No, no, it wasn't the thing of like, oh, yeah, Dawson can stand with Green. It's just you figure if Green's going to be in this fight, he's not going to be able to go out and just one punch knock Grant Dawson out. It's going to be a scrap. It's going to be difficult. There's going to be a lot of back and forth. You know, Dawson's going to be able to have time and opportunity to drag him to the mat because Green's not a knockout puncher. So, you you know, we all kind of assumed Dawson would have time to work. Whether you thought Green could win or not, you we all thought Dawson would have some time to make something happen. More than 33 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. This is, this is probably the best win of his career, the most important win of his career. If he lost here, the trajectory is well-defined. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it certainly might not go down as the biggest name win of his career. Obviously, 
Tony Ferguson's on there. Ally Quinta once uh, fought for a title. Uh, you know, there there have been higher profile fighters that he's faced, but this was definitely a fight where it was like Dawson is a young guy on the rise. Green is a dude who's be- who's run up right up against the bottom of the top fifteen over and over again. It just felt like another to me. It really, just felt like another pushback opportunity for Green to not get over the hump. And at thirty seven mm-hmm. in the lightweight division. You, you can't. His, day, you know. his days are numbered. Yeah, his, his days, days are, are numbered. numbered. But uh, to be fair, Bobby Green is the has the best boxing of anyone that Dawson has faced so far. Yeah, and as somebody, I I, I put it up for a minute. And it's one of our uh, Deb goes fishing. One of our listeners pointed out, you know, oh Dawson has been hurt in early in fights before. Oh, Madsen hurt him right early in their fight. And this, you know, it's not like, I don't want to come off like Dawson was some sort of impossible to knock out guy. His, his defense is bad. If there's really one thing that I came across watching tape for this, this uh, fight, it was Dawson gets hit by everything. Everyone throws. He might be able to come back and win a fight. He might be able to take somebody down and take them out. He might be able to change the tide of the striking with volume. He used to do a lot of kicking and stuff like that, but he gets hit with everything. And so, yeah, the opportunities were there. It's just I wouldn't have picked Bobby Green to be the dude to take him because he doesn't knock people out. He he puts a lot of volume. And this is Green's a dude who... We have seen multiple fights in Green's career that he has lost while outlanding his opponent at like a two-to-one clip. Yeah, for sure. My feeling going into this was like, I bet Bobby Green will outland Grant Dawson and win and lose. And it'll feel like one of those fights where you're like, technically, I think Green won that, but Mm -hmm. the judges didn't give it to him. Right, right. So... Yeah, here uh, we are. I, I think it's a it's a glaring weakness in Dawson's game, and I, it it really speaks to why he's been brought up the way he has been. When you look at guys like Sean O'Malley, who was much more fast tracked, um, not just because of his popularity, but like skill set. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, and Dawson, not so much. He's very specialized in, in his offense, right? Like, if he takes your back, you're in deep shit. Um, but not for a second did he try to grapple out there. Well, he didn't have a second to try to grapple. That's what out I mean. There. But, like, he, in his mind, like when I yeah. said he needs to get the fight to the ground ASAP, this, he didn't, that wasn't the game plan. He was willing to feel out green on the feet when he should have just blasted a double leg and went what Pfeiffer did, how Pfeiffer started his fight tonight is what, is what I think Dawson should have done to start this. Fight. Yeah. And he tried to stand with Bobby, Bobby way too slick for him. Way, way too slick and made him pay. And yeah, I mean, Dawson ha- does have this thing. Once again, like I say, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have thought it would come into play here. I wouldn't have thought it'd be the big factor here, but he does have this thing where he often likes to, get out there and throw a bunch of volume with people. Just, you know, he, he likes to, he's kind of been trying to build himself into the Col- Colby Covington route where 
You know, the striking is not pretty, but there's a lot of it. And he eventually can like overwhelm somebody enough with it that the takedowns are easier to get. And so he's, he's been playing a lot of that lately and it doesn't always work that well. It's just, once again, I did not think Bobby Green would be the dude to make him pay that dearly for not being in that big a hurry to get the takedown. Yeah, no, that was fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, awesome moment for Bobby Green. He had that opportunity to call somebody out, did not take it. Don't know why, but whatever. Yeah, after the broadcast, DC was talking about maybe he'll fight Michael Chandler. Yeah, that's what DC was saying. He was like, maybe, you know, Chandler's left without a fight. Put him in there with him. If Chandler's going to fight somebody because he doesn't have a fight, it'll probably be somebody like Matej Gamrot or Benil Dariush. Like, right. I can't imagine... I mean, Green is a more exciting fighter than those th- than at least Ganrod or somebody like that. So maybe, but even then, I would think like Dan Hooker. Well, no, he's already Chandler's already fought Hooker. That's right. Yeah, I mean, maybe just the reputation alone makes that happen. But yeah, okay. As, as uh, and, and business wise, Bobby Green's probably pretty affordable, right? Yeah, there are some avenues I could see it happening, but I would much, you know, as somebody else noted, like Bobby Green, Dan Hooker, that's a great fight. Mm. Bobby Green versus Jalen Turner or Hanato Moicano or even Carlos Diego Fajera. Like, the, there are a bunch of ranked fighters in there that Bobby Green has not gotten a chance to face that would be fun. I, The Chandler thing... It would be a pretty weird moment for for Michael Chandler to be like, no, I'm not going to – I don't want this big payday fight with, with Conor McGregor I was supposed to get. I'll turn around and fight a guy that, like, five people know, Bobby Green. That's that's the route I want. Yeah, but Chandler's a company man, right? He is. He and is. And he's been without a paycheck, so – there are, there are machinations where I could see it working. But yeah, I don't. I for DC to suggest it outright, I don't know. It's just it would never be the fight I would assume they'd make. That's correct. But why? Like, like, check it out. Bobby Green has fought Fiziev. He's fought Makachev. He's fought Dober. He's fought Ferguson. Like, he's been in there with some with everyone. yeah, yeah. Michael Chandler is right there. Like, I don't. I understand your point of Chandler. Yeah, I mean, he was a last-minute replacement against Islam Makachev. It's a consolation prize for Chandler. Like, I understand you hang up on it, but... Yeah, and he fought Fiziev with, you know, Fiziev on the rise. He did did call for a December fight. Green did. Yeah. So... It's you know he he's been right place he'll be he's like Donald Cerrone in that way where he's so right place right time I'm always ready to go I always want to fight I will take whoever mm-hmm. you can get bigger fights that way yeah know? it gets rewarded Kevin Holland yeah. same thing exactly these guys do tend to they tend to get a lot of hard fights that they shouldn't necessarily take 
they also tend to get a lot of big fights that you wouldn't necessarily expect. And like you were saying, he's what, 37? Yeah. So if. Yeah, no, I mean, if you're Bobby Green, of course you try to get that Michael Chandler fight, but I would be shocked. I, w- I am prepared to be shocked. More shocked than Bobby Green's 33 second knockout. Yes. <laughs> More shot th- shocked than Bobby Green's 33 second knockout. But man, that was a great, as somebody else noted, that was a great ending to the card. I totally agree. I was not prepared to for the end of this card to be fun. I was prepared for it to be fun all the way up, but like even the Vivi this week, the, our title for the main card, Vivi, was where's the main event? You know? What, <laughs> wouldn't they forget to put a main event on this card? Because right. Bobby Green Grant Dawson is not a fight that gets anybody's blood flowing. But it did. But it did. It did. It paid off. So it was great to see. All right. On that note, co-main event, Joe Pfeiffer, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. And I got to say, I know like Pfeiffer kind of came into the UFC as a meme fighter. You know, he he got that meme treatment of like the B. Joe Pfeiffer thing. And he's a slugger, and he got a bunch of quick wins and all that. But dude's got some legit skill out there. Yeah, he's well-rounded. You know, we knew he was a wrestler, but he knocks everybody out, right? And this was his chance to show how well-rounded he is. Yeah. And he even weathers, you know, some adversity. Those leg kicks were fucking him up. Yeah, no kidding. It was... That and that was great to see too, because it was one of those things where it looked like, you know, at first, uh, Abdul Razak Al Hassan did not have any answers to Pfeiffer at all. It was just I, I almost gave Pfeiffer a ten eight in round one. It was just like this is pretty much all one way traffic. I'm not saying he got it. I'm just saying I almost. And then him getting kicked, starting to get take those leg kicks. It was like, oh, is this, you know, is this where your game's going to start? Is this where the momentum is going to start turning around? Are we going to see some some cracks start to show? And he just immediately changed it up. and was like, no, let's do something else. Have an answer. Try something different. And that's great. Like, that's what you want to see. You want to see a fighter who's looking to try to make it to an elite level, not just get stuck on one thing where it's like, oh, we're doing this. It kind of stopped working, but I don't really have any other ideas. And his blast double is like, man, he blasted Al Hassan off his feet. Mm-hmm. So it's beautiful. It's a thing you got to deal with too. It's such yeah. a, it's such a, um, it's a trump card, is what it is. Especially when you have that kind of power on the feet, and like you're in the middle of a dog fight and everyone's throwing haymakers. And the next thing you know, you're looking up at the ceiling because this crazy, explosive, technical double leg just comes out of nowhere. And you're yeah. so focused and we're brawling that, boom. And for him to be, to be able to turn that double leg like straight into an arm triangle, mm-hmm. love to see it. Mm-hmm. Love to see it. You don't even have to be a great grappler if you're at least a grappler who can... If you're somebody who can who knows how to hit a submission in a transition, who's got a go-to of like, you know, because a lot of fighters they still think about like, oh, I'm getting taken down. I have a minute to reset here, or I'm getting clinched up. 
I have a minute to reset here. I have a minute to to make something happen or to f- find my bearings again. And if you're just like, no, the moment I hit something, I have an immediate thing that I'm going for off of that. Like you can catch a lot of people out that way. I, so. I mean, I catch a lot of people in a baseball bat choke in transitions because they're so focused on the position. Like they don't yeah. even pay attention to my grips and they don't, they don't pay attention to the fact that they're actually setting my choke by advancing their position. And yeah. then they don't tap because they have the good position, but they're still in a submission and they don't want to, you know, yeah. a, lot, a lot of people go to sleep. But yeah. uh, what I liked is it's his go-to move. That's what he yeah. said. It's his go-to. And he even, he locked it up standing, which I thought yep. was pretty badass. It's very rare that that people will even attempt it because it's a, such a low percentage move. But. I, it's a great go-to submission. It's really, you know, we say like the standing one is low percentage, but it's right. also a, an incredibly low risk submission. It is not dropping for a guillotine. It is not throwing up an arm bar or as we saw earlier in this card, rolling for a leg lock. Like an arm triangle is a submission that you tend to be, you can maintain positional dominance real easy out of an arm triangle. Mm-hmm. You can like you can sink one in from half guard, where you know if you're feeling it, you jump over to side control. If you're not, you still stay right there where you are. So it it, it as a go to submission in MMA, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's it's on the complete other end of the spectrum is leg locks. Yes, <laughs> and we'll get into that later. Uh, but no, it's it's definitely a, a safer move, much like a Kimura Americana straight arm arm bar. Things where you don't have to relinquish position. Now, trying to think, what do we need to see Joe Pfeiffer? Who do we need to see him fight next? I mean, this is kind of weird because, like, he looked great in this fight. Yeah, he looked like a guy you want to well, see in top fifteen when he wasn't when he wasn't getting his leg peppered. <laughs> sure, sure. He the, the leg peppering aside, he he looked good. Yeah, but also Abdul Razak Hassan is not exactly like a borderline contender. He's a dude who's just always been a brawler, win or lose, die by the sword kind of thing. He was pretty smart out there tonight, though. I, yeah, what I, he, I, I really liked how he used his guillotine to stand up. You know, when, the second he realized he didn't have it, he was like, okay, yeah. well, I'll just use this to get back to my feet. So there were good things that he was doing. Um, but I, I think he he struggles when he's not the the alpha athlete out there. Yeah, he does. And Pfeiffer is a specimen. So let's see. Yeah, there's like Michael Oksajuk out there. Oof, that's that's that'd be explosive. That would that'd be, be a lot of fun. That's a good test. Yeah, is Andre Petrovsky out there getting some wins? Gregory Rodriguez is coming off a win. Oof. I'd pick Gregory. <laughs> that dude's a RoboCop is just, you know yeah. what you're getting out of him. Or, he, well, there's a fight that we, it will have to happen someday. Maybe not right now, but maybe, maybe. Roman Kopolov. <laughs> Talk about a banger. Right. The way Kapalov's been looking lately? Honestly, 
it might be wise to book them sooner rather than later so that way they can face off later on again exactly you get that's what i always there are a lot of people who are like oh no don't match up the prospects on the way up kind of thing you don't want to pick one of them and off and all that but it's like no you want that you want think about conor mcgregor dustin poirier Hmm. and how much cooler it was when they're fighting you know 10 years later because they fought once already you know you got you give fighters a chance to like build that storyline in let them fight when they're young let them fight early in their career or even if they're not young they can refight they can fight again in two years time like mma isn't you know there's a lot of chances for it to be cyclical so yeah i'm i I am all for building prospects and giving them appropriate steps up in conversation, but I'm also all for giving him, let them face each other when they're at the same level. Yep. So there, there are a couple of bangers in there for Joe Pfeiffer for him off of a win like that. Well, let's be honest. All of his fights are going to be, yeah, it's always going to be a banger. That's true. All right. That brings us to a welterweight fight. Joaquin Buckley, Alex Morono, and, I'll admit this fight it surprised me a little. Mm-hmm. I picked Joaquin Buckley, and I figured him being the much better athlete. Morono, as as smart a fighter as he is, he's just not an athlete. Like he has struggled when he faces guys that are really athletic. But I was super impressed by how dominant Joaquin Buckley was. Because yeah. Morono is a dude where, like, you know, you look at his fight with Santiago Ponzinibbio, you look at his fight with uh, Nico Price back in the day, and those were fights where Morono he made those guys he he made those guys look pretty pretty bad for a while. He won those fights for large stretches before he ended up getting starched. He did not win almost any of this fight against Joaquin Buckley. The first round was really competitive, but Buckley got better as the fight went yeah. on. Like, and that's the exact opposite of what I was expecting. I was expecting yeah. him to start to flag as the fight went on. And Morono would just, um, as the athleticism advantage started to dwindle, dwindle, I thought Morono would have his opportunities to come on strong late. Sure. That didn't that didn't happen no. at all. No, that was a 10-8 round three. Yeah. Buckley beat his ass in the third round. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was no. impressive. Clean show. And this is the best cardio I've ever seen from Buckley. He's and on his grind set out there, man. Dude, like if he can consistently look like this and make 170, he's got some. Yeah. There's a the top 15 run there in yeah. a dude who can fight with that kind of cardio and that kind of power like it's still not the most nuanced game out there buckley tends to just kind of pick what target he wants to hit about five feet away and then run in and and hit it you know it's not it's not a real delicate game but if you can do that for 15 or 20 minutes straight at power like that's that's what brought like josh emmett up to the top of the of the featherweight division, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he could go he ways. Could, he could definitely do it. Um, and yeah, he's looking better. Like, yeah. that's the big takeaway. He's 
he he looks dramatically improved, at least in terms of his cardio. And I, I thought he was pretty smart out there um, with the ground game of uh, Morono, which is underrated, right? He's a black belt. He he was throwing up some pretty close submissions, but Buckley didn't have too much problem with um, fighting him uh, off and even landed some pretty damn good ground and pound. So he's just so strong. I mean, that's the problem for Morono because even Morono, you know, sneaky submissions, all that. Like it is, I feel for the dude. It's got to be wild to be a, an athlete that's that average fighting at a level that high where like, you know, somebody on in the live thread called it a true pros versus Joe's fight. And like, athletically that's what it is you know like morono he he is great at thinking his way through fights he's a great decision maker he has good reads he's a good tactical fighter but it's it's got to be so rough out there to be like just sort of your average dude going in there against somebody who is an actual physical specimen is twice as fast and twice as strong as you yeah, no, combat sports is a motherfucker. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, athleticism probably counts more in fighting than any other sport. Yeah. Period. MMA is such a sandbox, too, where if you're really fast, you can just kind of, you know, it's hard to compensate yeah. for, you know, in, in, in boxing and some other things like that. I'm not saying that the, the best athlete doesn't usually win in boxing. They do. But at least in boxing, it's a much, the, the limitations of it are much easier to make technique counter athleticism and in mma it's just like it's a huge sandbox and it's like i'm in this gigantic pit where i can run 10 different directions if i'm just way faster than you that's going to be a huge problem yeah and it's it's kind of like weight in terms of uh when skill is relatively equal Weight yeah. matters. Yeah. Skill is relatively equal. Athleticism matters. Yeah. It's just the nature of the beast. It but is. it's it's also what makes light heavyweight so much fun. Yeah, it is. No kidding. Yeah. So the question then becomes where does Buckley go from here? Because this is this is the kind of fight that's like a knocking on the top door, the top 15 kind of fight. Uh, you know, I'm looking at the the rankings for welterweight. Down at the bottom of that division, we already fought Kevin Holland, Michael Chiesa, Neil Magny, both coming off a loss. There is Jack Della Maddalena. I would pay a lot of good money to watch Jack Della Maddalena fight Joaquin Buckley. Yeah, that would definitely be a banger. I don't know if JDM would accept that. Um, Vicente Luque, Luque would be a banger. Yeah. JDM, Luque... Jeff Neal might be a little too high up there. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, there's also dudes like Randy Brown, Li Jing Leong, mm. you know, all those other guys who are floating right around the edge of the top 15. That da- you know, well, da- Daniel Rodriguez, when he gets uh, back from his unfortunate uh, drug test failure, you yeah. know, um, the leech might be the move. Sure. That's exciting. Just a bunch of hooks. Just, yeah. We'll have to do like a little UFC drinking game. Every time a hook is thrown, take a shot. No, I do not want to be that plastic. <laughs> we got to do a sixth round after that. Just be uh, me asleep. 
<sighs> All right. Let's talk about this lightweight bout now. Drew Dober, Ricky Glenn. And if I had some surprise, if I was shocked by Bobby Green, Grant Dawson, if I was a little surprised by Joaquin Buckley, Alex Moreno, this could not have possibly been more the fight I expected to see out there. Man, I I was I was thinking it was going to be a war. I was expecting Glenn to show up and be his normal self and, you know, overproduce and just be a, a salty yeah. dog out there. And none of that happened. No, he, Glenn is such a he's a comeback king and his chin is starting to go. And you can't have that's a deadly combination. To be a dude who is known for taking an ass whipping and then bouncing back to give an ass whipping. When your chin starts to go, all the the, the taken ass whooping side of things, it's devastating, you know? Especially yeah, for a, a fast starting hard hitter like Dober, where it's just gonna be hitting you with a hammer for the first from jump, basically. Yeah, I mean I definitely picked Dober and I I thought he would get a finish, but I just expected yeah. much more of a war. I mean, five years ago, three years ago, Ricky Glenn drew Dober. It would probably be that war, you know. Yeah. But kind of made me sad. Like awesome finish, like awesome performance from Dober. Sure. Just feel bad for Glenn. He seems like he's just a shell. Yeah, he was a shell of Ricky Glenn. It's a, it. You hate to see it, but he's been, he he's been his whole career has been about wars and that. That takes its toll, you know? Unfortunately so. Oh, well. All right. Yeah. That brings us to Bill Algio, Alexander Hernandez. And, uh, yeah, this is, you know, I this was a little weird, honestly. Hernandez was, like, he was the dude who would always, he'd go out, put it on somebody for a round, and then kind of have a big meltdown and lose it all. If he didn't finish him in that first round. Right. Or if he felt some resistance. Yeah. Yeah. He'd go into his shell. Exactly. He would be, he would come out and put out an ass whipping. He would either finish somebody or just kind of fade. And you can see he's like trying to compensate for that, trying not to be that dude, but that just meant he came out there and he was just not he was not the aggressor for any part of the fight. He was wasn't exactly in his shell, but it's like, okay, well, if you're never gonna be the bully, that's actually also a huge problem. Cause half the fights you won were by being the bully right away. Yeah. No, if you yeah. notice, like in that third round, he started doing that, and he yeah. started finding success. He was. I did landing, actually give him the third round. Yeah, he was. But. He was landing some really slick counter left hands that you know, and Algio's style is like he's just asking for it out there, right? Yeah. With the way he flows and kind of just tries to roll with the punches instead of more fundamental blocking. Yeah, and I mean, I can't help but accept that it. That that is going to come back and haunt him. Like that will catch up to him. Alexander was not able to take advantage of it. Um, Algio is smooth, you know. He's elusive, um, and he just hit. He comes at some funky ass angles, man. He throws. Yeah, some, that, that, go ahead. 
there's a lot of Tony Ferguson in Bill Algio. Yeah, it's which like is, it's a it's a a Stephen Thompson Tony Ferguson love child. Yeah, and the you know with the Tony Ferguson comparison, it's like oh, there's some great heights there. Tony Ferguson became an interim t- champion. Tony Ferguson had a 12 fight winning streak. But then there's the other side of that, which is when that speed starts to go a little. Then all of the like, oh, I just roll with it or I just, you know, make this little slip here instead of having my hands in position to defending myself really well. We've seen late career Tony Ferguson. It's uncomfortable. It is very uncomfortable. When that's when that kind of style stops working, it's bad. I'm just glad afterward he called out Billy Quarantillo because Billy Quarantillo has already said yes to that fight. Yeah. And I want that fight. That is such an easy fight to, to make. It's so much fun. He called out a lot of people. Billy he did. Cron Gracie, Zuckerberg, Fauci. Yeah. <laughs> he called out quite a bit of people. Yeah. But yeah, him and Billy Q. Yeah, December sounds great for that. Absolutely. Oh, also, kind of thinking Drew Dober. I mean, I know there are a lot of different fight possibilities out there, but maybe like Ludovic Klein, Drew Dober. Okay. That sounds exciting. Yeah. Just throw him in there with another striker. Um, Ludovic Klein, he's coming off a win, right? Yeah, he is. Yeah, why not? Why not? Drew Dober's the kind of dude who will fight anybody. You know, well, pure mid-card action talent. Well, as long as he doesn't, like, marry his sister or something. Oh, that was Hine. That was that was Hine, not Klein. <laughs> I don't yeah. think they're still yeah. married, though. I think no that that marriage lasted like a month. Um. All right. All right. That brings us to a woman's strawweight bout. Your feel-good fight of the card: Carolina Kovalkiewicz, Diana Belbita. Credit to Belbita. She looked good. She showed up. She had a tough fight with Kovalkiewicz, but it's great to see Kovalkiewicz looking so confident again. And so aggressive and so willing to get after it the way that made her a title contender in the first place, you know? Yeah, it was good to see her overcome that adrenaline dump she had to go through yeah, in the first yeah. round. She looked exhausted going uh, at the end of the first, but mm-hmm. showed up for and looked uh, consistent throughout two and three. Didn't seem to get any more tired, adjusted well, started finding her uppercut, which was insane. Her jab was on point. And she just kept disrupting what Belbita was trying to do. Belbita had a good first round. She she was landing some yeah. good power, but I really think it's the jab that just kind of took over the fight. Mm-hmm. That left eye of Belbita started to swell up, and you know it was a kind of a veteran performance from Kovalevich. Yeah, she just she stuck to her guns. Little creative, little cleaner with the punching. Couldn't get her wrestling going even as much as she tried. That was expected to be an advantage, but it didn't show up, but she still just gutted through it. Solid win. Yeah, and she she knew to finish the round strong. She got a takedown yep. at the end of the first um the second end of the second, she got taken down, but as soon as it hit the ground, she was the one yeah. throwing the strikes and being the aggressor. So, solid no win. And she she wanted that fight. She asked yeah. for the fight. So, nothing better than than calling for someone and beating them. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> All right. On that on that note, 
flyweight bout, Nate Manis. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. We didn't oh, wait. even talk about uh, Iwan Kutalaba and Felipe Linz being canceled. Oh, yeah. The day and, and, and Cormier with the whole, I don't know what it is, but here's what I think it is. That's the worst. Yeah. That's so gross. <laughs> it's disgusting. just like, oh, he's sick, and I don't know anything, but... In my mind, he's pulled out twice because of fights because he's sick. He's probably just scared. Basically, that was the Daniel Cormier message. Yeah, we've seen this time and time again in combat sports when an athlete pulls out the day of the fight and the promotion throws them under the bus with their broadcast team and their commentators. Yeah. I mean, it happened to Mark De La Rosa. Uh, I forget what promotion. It might have been LFA. But it happened to him, and and they were like, "Oh, he pulled a heartstring." Blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so credit to Lens for not fighting. Um, if he wasn't up able to fight, I guess um, it's not Whatever, easy. You know, you never know. You don't know. If we don't know, we don't know. That's what I'll say. Like it could be anxiety. We've seen fighters have anxiety attacks. It happens. You never know. But. We don't know. We don't know. That's it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I don't think throwing him under the bus is a good look, though. No. No, that was lame. All right. Uh, now we get to the flyweight bout. Nate Manis, Mateus Mendonca. And this is your 100% when keeping it real goes wrong moment. Yeah, this is a cautionary tale, right? Really cautionary <laughs> tale. <laughs> um. Yeah, this is, um, I will say this, uh, Mandonka, how do you say that? Mandonka? Uh, Mandonza, I believe. Mandonza. Mandonza died a proper leg locker death. Sure. He he was going to die on that hill, and that's fine. Um, But it's it's just a clear tale of what happens when you dive on legs and don't... uh, don't bail on them to improve your position, right? Yeah. This isn't jujitsu. This is mixed martial arts. And if someone's diving at your ankles, beat the piss out of them. Yep. Yeah. Great fight for Manis, given the opportunity he had. But Mendonca was just, I mean, there was that moment where he's like got both of Man uh, of Manis, uh, Manis's uh, legs trapped under his arm, crossed in mm-hmm. a way that, provides him absolutely no leverage on either of them because they're oh no 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 that was a smooth move when you have him cross like that you can heel hook either leg that is a genius a genius move that okay that okay you can easily take either knee home he Easy. was trying to take them both though at the same time which well i don't well, think you can do no 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 you don't take them both but you have the option to do both. you do have the option but but here's where he messed up all right like it he even had an, a calf a calf slicer at one point. Here's where he messed up. He was he was letting Manus punch him in the face. Okay, that no, was, okay. I get that, that he was not like technically messing up going for his heel hooks. That's not what happened. But it was it, it, it was that moment though where he had the both the two legs, and he would sit up a little and get hit right in the face, and then lean back. And then sit up a little and get hit right in the face and lean back. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, you either have to go for it or you have to let it go. It can't be this whole, whole sort of like, maybe if I lean forward this. Oh, no, 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 no. 
Well, maybe mm-hmm. if I leave, it was. No, it was. Uh, it's that. That's the hill. That's the yeah. hill he died on. Right. It's when you're in that position, you couldn't sweep. Yeah. You can come up on top. Sure. But he didn't want that. He wanted to take the legs home. Yeah, and that's one of those things that I've I've seen from him. I hadn't seen it to this degree. I thought he might win this fight. I picked him to win it. But he's a fighter who fights in a way that shows he will just, he goes for things and he does things with the expectation that his opponent can't keep up. You know? Where it's just like, Oh, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to throw some big wild hooks and I'm going to drop for a double leg and I'm going to pull their hips out. I'm going to jump on something. And by the time they're trying to keep up with all this, I'm just going to be winning. It's just like, well, in the UFC, if you're doing all this stuff really sloppy and aggressive, there are a lot of people who are just going to be able to pick out the holes in it the whole way through. You know, Boshrock could in his last fight. And now you're Manus, like, you're just being like, oh, I'm just going to aggressively go for stuff. I don't really care if I don't have the position for it or if it's not the best position for it. They're just not going to be able to keep up. Manus just shut him down. And that's the beauty of it. That's the great equalizer. It doesn't matter how good you are. Like, look at Gary Tonin. Look what happened to him over in one. He died on that hill. He was like, I'm just going to attack the leg and, and just... And force them to react to what I'm doing. And it's like, it's so easy to get yourself to a somewhat safe position to where you're already postured up more often yeah. than not. Even even though Manus was kind of sitting on his ass. Yeah. That, that's still so much more leverage than your opponent. Yeah. Who's like leaned back. Uh, cautionary tale, man. This is, this is what happens. All right. That brings us to a moment's strawweight bout. Our scoring controversy of the night, Vanessa Demopoulos, Conico Murata. I scored it for Murata. How'd you have it scored? I also scored it for Murata. However, I could easily see how the second round could have gone yeah. to Demopoulos. Like, who's when I put more the... strikes? Who's doing more damage? When I put the score out on Bloody Elbow, I was like, okay, I've got it. Uh, you know, 10-9 Demopolis round one. I've got it 10-9 Murata round two, but I can see an argument for Demopolis getting that round. I just don't think judges are going to go that way. I can see the argument. Don't think it's going to happen. Turns out every judge went that way. Yeah. and Huge underdog, too. Yeah. So. I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm not, I, it's not a robbery to me. It was, I didn't expect it, but there's an argument for it. And as long as there's an argument for it, then what, there's an argument for it, you know? Yeah, I'm I'm perfectly fine with it. Um, again, you, if you someone takes you down and you're, you're doing all the damage, even though they have the dominant position, you win. Like, yeah. Old school, like if it's 2002, okay. Like, yeah, sure. But modern day MMA, you got to be doing damage. Yep. Rough fight, but hey, you know, good win for Demopolis. Got to get away with one every now and then. That brings us to a bantamweight bout. Aori Chilang, Johnny Munoz. And man, Johnny Munoz has got to figure something out. (laughs) 
the way he is fighting right now, that is not going to win him any fights in the UFC. Mm-mm. Like, it's just not. He can't be the guard guy. Yeah, that being doesn't, a guard player. It just doesn't work. Not, yeah, it's... um. The lighter the division, the tougher it is to work too. I yeah, think. and he just—he uh, isn't rounded enough. He used to have a jab for a couple of fights, but even that's vanished now. He was just—he had a couple overhands in this fight that that shook Chilang or Chilang up a couple times. But once, but other than those, he his striking standing was a void. It was gone. It was not, it's just like, you can't be just a guard. You can't, you know, even nice. Cron Gracie in his worst butt scooting performances had more than that. Yeah. So. He just, he's not a good enough athlete to overcompensate no. for his lack of stand up. And if you're a bantamweight that can't strike, you, you're not going to make it in the UFC. No, no. Finally. Opening fight of the card, J.J. Aldrich, Montana De La Rosa. Solid, strong performance from Aldrich all the way through. Yeah. Just the slicker, faster boxer, better hands. Exactly what I expected. This is why I picked J.J., because she has the solid, fundamental striking. Yep. De La Rosa never has that been the case. She has gotten a lot better, granted, but she's a grappler. She's a grappler. She's uh, she's not as smooth with the fundamentals as JJ. JJ will live off a jab, and that's she didn't need much more than that here. It was it no. was her basic one twos. Um, I thought um, De La Rosa was going to grapple way more than she did. Uh, I was a little surprised to see her come out and uh, just really try to bang it out. That kind of shocked yeah. me. I, I mean, it was for me. The problem for me is that Delarosa is getting; she's getting a little Cynthia Calvillo'd. Oof. It's like you're a pretty good grappler. Why doesn't your striking lead into that at all? You know, you're a pretty good wrestler. Why doesn't your striking set up any takedowns? And it doesn't. She has to like change things up and go for something totally different to try to set a takedown up. It's never tied to her boxing at all. And it leads for fights like this, where it's just like Aldrich just has to cruise. All she has to do is match you strike for strike and have the better strikes. And it's just like, well, she's just going to win. Yeah. Uh, I was actually surprised that uh, Montana was the favorite going in here. I didn't. Yeah, I was was surprised at that, too. I think Aldrich gets she's always been really overlooked. But uh, I think that lost Aaron Lipsky, Ariane Lipsky, really devalued her stock even more gotcha but um not the best fight i'm gonna be honest the third round was kind of fun yeah the rosa started going for it but just ugh, not a good not a good fight yeah all right we're gonna be over on our sub stack with a little bit of bonus content here for so all of you that subscribe to our sub stack we'll be dropping that in just a little bit To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today.
Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, the Show Money Podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.